Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best Internet minds in the business. Now, here are your hosts, Internet brand strategist Sandra Beck. Hey, guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with my lovely co-host for this writer series, Angela Breidenbach. If you want to look her up as we have our show today, we have Angela, A-N-G-E-L-A, Breidenbach, B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H.com. And we have a great guest today. Today is about how to find the perfect agent for you. And we're going to be speaking also with Tamala Hancock-Murray. You can find her. You can Google her or look her up at the stevelobby.com, S-T-E-V. And that's spelled L-A-U-B-E dot com. We know that you're listening at work. We know you're listening while you do other things. So if you want to pop onto these sites and check us out, um, we can also, uh, you know, support some of the things that we are all doing collectively. On our last episode, we had a great interview with, um, oh, gosh, Angela. Kathy Eyed. I like time. Author of proofreading secrets for best-selling authors. That is such a great book. And you guys, anybody who is a starting out writer or somebody who considers themselves a fiction writer needs to get a copy of that book. This is the sixth in a series that we're doing. And you can check us out at Coach Talk Radio Show. You can also find us on iTunes or at our host station. Thank you very much at toginet.com, T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com. Now, Angela, I'd like you to introduce yourself really quickly. And then I'd love to get to our guest today, Angela um, so that people know who you are, people know who I am, and then we're going to get on to Tamala Hancock-Murray. Well, thank you, Sandra. My name is Angela Breidenbach, and I am an author of historical romance, contemporary romance, some nonfiction, which in the mainstream world you would call self-help. In the Christian publishing companies, we call it um, Christian living. And then I also write um, magazine articles and some novellas and I have a lot of fun with it and so for me um, I've become the Christian Authors Network president and by doing that it helps me to continue to network and raise all of the ships on the ocean because we get to educate and market and doing those things together and keep helping each other grow in the industry and to me the more you can do for others the more beneficial it is for everyone so I love that and I know that my agent who's here with us today her name is Tamala Hancock Murray and she's been an agent for over 14 years she is a best-selling award-winning author of her herself of over 20 novels novellas and nonfiction books and Tamala brings perspective of having been a writer to being an agent. And I love her dearly because she's kind of like a sister to me. We can talk about just about anything from recipes to brainstorming to contracts to everything that we need. Uh, She's got a BA in honors in journalism from Lynchburg College in Virginia. And now she lives in Virginia with her family. And her favorite thing to do is read. So welcome to the show, Tamala. Well, thank you so much. Wow. I hope I live up to that wonderful introduction. (laughs) But yes, I, I love you dearly too, and I enjoy talking with all of my writers. I have, I think, I have just the best list in the business. Personally, um, I love to work with talented Christian writers. It's my honor and pleasure to be able to bring uh, writers who are working for the Lord and bringing a godly message in fiction and in nonfiction out into the world. And I, I can't believe I'm here because it's just such a so thrilling to me every day. I think it's really fun when you love your job. 
That's oh, yeah. fun. <laughs> well, and Tamla, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to jump in here. What do you do all day? Like, you know, we see television <laughs> shows with agents and they're always so like creepy. And then I look at your picture. I've read your <laughs> writing and like, you're really funny. You're a good writer. You're interesting and articulate. You're not like anything I've seen on TV. So what does your day look like? Well, unlike the movies, I, I laugh at those myself. I don't normally have writers, you know, frantically driving up to my house, you know, to hand me a uh, manuscript in a manila envelope and, you know, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. It, I have to laugh. But I mean, for the sake of a movie, though, if that's better than, you know, sending an email, let me frantically send this email. I think that only works <laughs> maybe in science fiction where they're trying to break a code or something. But I know, I, or like Castle, where they show up at his house <laughs> and they and they tell him that, you know, well, you just got a million dollar contract for <laughs> well i do i do have a lot of good contracts that's always a, a great day and of course um angie i just angela i just sent you one uh, excited about yes yeah, so we'll be looking over that and discussing that and that's part of what i do i make sure that the author is happy with the contract understands the contract what the terms are what the deadlines are the expectation of that publisher i have uh contacts with every major CBA, and that's called the Christian Booksellers Association, publisher in the business. And I know there are different personalities. I know the editors. I've had longstanding relationships. I do have some general market contacts, but really my passion and focus is really more on the, uh, especially Christian romance. I think I've really got a great niche for myself there, but there are so many romance readers, you can't even call it a niche. I mean, there are so yeah. many of us. And I, I would completely that. agree. And I think it's really interesting, too, that, you know, Tamala was talking about how she helps an author understand their contract. Because in the beginning, um, Tamala and I met at ACFW conference, and I'm a member of ACFW, and uh, she goes and she teaches at different conferences. But when we were there getting to know each other, I she did not um, become my agent the first time I met her. The American Christian Fiction Writers, ACFW, is not a place where you're just going to go and sign a contract right there, and neither is most any conference. But when we started working together, we have a contract. And so before we get into what writing contracts are like and how you find your, your most amazing agent ever, I'd like to ask, you know, why does an agency um, that is representing an author have a contract, and what are the common things the, that are in those contracts? That is an excellent question, and the main thing that you should look for in a contract, well, first of all, you should really talk to that agent and see how you hit it off and you connect, and that agent is very, very excited about your writing. That agent has an idea about how your your writing will be presented to the editors and so forth, and then you, when you agree to work together, then you look over the contract. Ours is very... Yeah, let me just jump in here, because for people who are new to this business, this is the contract between you, the agent, and the writer. This has nothing to do with right. book contracts, correct? Correct. This is your agreement with me, uh, where we ask for our commission, and what I really like about being an agent is... Uh, I almost feel like a car salesman. We don't get paid unless you get paid. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. And I, I like that because it, we're partners and, and your success is our success. And we are, are partners with you in that. There should be no 
weird fees or anything like that. And a long time ago, an agency contract may say something like we charge for telephone and postage and all, but uh, we don't charge for any of that type of thing at all. It should just be, I review your work. Um, we work together. I send your work out and sell it to the right editors for you, guide you through that process. I'm your career partner. I, you know, we talk about your career. You may have one or more projects. Angie, Angela has a lot of projects. And so we want to figure out where should we send this project? Where should we send that project? How should we go about that and strategize your career? I take your hand and we walk together along your career path and what, wherever that may be. And for us, it's it comes down to sometimes even working out calendar dates. And it could matter whether it's like five days or 10 days or 15 days, because like in the contract that we we just got together and literally I was we were we were just coming into recording and I got that email from Tamala and I, I'm so excited because Tamala and I celebrate together too. And it's this, this sense of we have accomplished something together. But in that, the date, I did a quick glance through and I sent a quick email back right before we went on the air. The date is problematic because I have another project that's happening um, in the couple of weeks right before that due date. And so as my agent, the contract that we have together is that Tamala is going to go back to that publisher and say, hey, we have a project that comes in right too tight for that and she needs a little bit more time. So she's the one who negotiates the date for me, not me. That's right. I My job is to let you be the sweet little author just typing away and, you know, producing great stories while I'm the mean person that's, you know, working on that money stuff and all those dates and all that. And, this you know, is really, really mean. It, it, <laughs> but it really is nice to, to have that, I think, that, well, that I think- it works well. Tam, I think you have to. I mean, I own a technology company and, you know, there, to be honest, writing is a business. You know, there is money exchange. The publishing houses are tied to, to the banking industry. There's promotional people. There's lawyers, you know, editors, everybody who's got to get paid on this. So as much as we call it the ugly side of the business, it's a very necessary side of the business. One of the questions that the social media had, had put in today, uh, for today's episode was they want to know, do people get an agent before they even write anything like do they have to have a book in hand <laughs> before they get an agent and and that's a very fair question for new it authors. is it's an absolutely. awesome question absolutely our website uh stevelobby.com it takes you right to the agency and thank you for mentioning that before but i only mention it again because you will find a tab under guidelines and it shows you what you need for a proposal and, you know, your proposal is you. I don't send out two proposals that are exactly alike at any time. Each author kind of tailors a proposal. What I do is I help you. Well, in other words, well, first to answer your question, sorry I got off on a tangent, but first, you, it is better for a brand spanking new author to write the book first. Um, because it is very difficult. You think, oh, I, I can do a hundred thousand words. I can do ninety thousand words. But you're in the middle. It's like, oh no. I'm kind of out of steam or I thought I, this was taking longer than I thought it would, or I've decided to bring or you go off on a tangent, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, really, you really have to put yourself through that exercise of writing the entire book. I wrote 
uh, heart songs, which were about 50,000. And I've written novellas, which you have to write very tight because they're 20,000. And I've also uh, written trade. And so it's really, there's a difference in those three types of books. And I've written nonfiction. And that's a whole different ball game, as you can imagine. So, yes, I would strongly recommend to an author to, or uh, aspiring author to complete a project, be excited about the project, and then get a feel for how you write. Some authors write a thousand words a day and that's what they write. Other authors sit down and write 5,000 words a day. You have to know who you are. And that, and if you can go in like that, you won't overcommit or tell your agent, sure, I can finish that book in six months. And you mean to do that, but you don't realize you can't. So it's really a good barometer for you and a practice for you to write that book. Then the agent has... Oh, wait, hold on. I've got to cut you off. We're visiting today with Tamala Hancock-Murray from the Steve Lobby Agency, and that's spelled L-A-U-B-E. When we come back from the break, we're going to get more helpful tips from Tamala Hancock-Murray. This is Sandra Beck of Coach Talk Radio with Angela Breidenbach. We'll be back after the break. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The energy drink market is predicted to hit $10 billion. While the makers of these drinks want you to think that the energy you feel after drinking one comes from a supply of B vitamins, amino acids, and herbal extracts, the truth is the only significant proven energy boost comes from the sugar and caffeine that these drinks contain. Eat This, Not That states that a 16-ounce can delivers as much as 280 calories of pure sugar, which is about 80 calories more than a 16-ounce cup of Pepsi. The sugar is not good for your health or your waistline. Getting adequate sleep, eating a healthy diet, and exercising on a regular basis are the best ways to beat fatigue. But if you need an occasional boost of energy, set aside the sugar spike of an energy drink and have a cup of coffee instead. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. By now you've heard about the Seattle house that went up in flames after a chowder-headed tenant tried to flush out an eight-legged foe in his laundry room by setting it on fire using a lighter and spray paint. Whoops, big miscabobble. Apparently, no one got hurt except perhaps a spider, but the rental home and its contents reportedly suffered $60,000 worth of damage. Neighbors scrambled to hose down their homes to keep the fire away. What's the word for a nearby house that is on fire? A eucalagon. Arachnophobia, or the fear of spiders, is pretty common. In case you're wondering what kind of nut job would actually try to kill a spider this way, this isn't the first case of this sort to occur. Why did the spider cross the road? To look for a new website, maybe? It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and this is Coach Talk Radio and we are here today in our writer series and we are talking today about 
finding the perfect agent. And I think we have the perfect agent for, at least for Angela and for the show today, uh, Tamala Hancock-Murray. She's at the Steve Lobby Agency, and that's L-A-U-B-E-S-T-E-V-E-L-A-U-B-E.com. So you can look her up. Her writing is there on the blog, and she's a really, really good writer. And doing my research today, um, I enjoyed reading her blogs, and lo and behold, she's a published author in her own right many times over. Now, when we went to break, we were talking talking about what first-time authors should have in hand before they, uh, you know, contact agents or submit the work to agents. I guess you have to have work in order to submit it. But there's writer guidelines that are available on your website. And let's talk a little bit about why those are important and why somebody should follow them. Yes, absolutely. That is an excellent question. I appreciate that. Uh, Once you have completed your book and One thing, just to tarry there just another second, it's a good idea as a writer who is a business person, because you made a very good point about that earlier, Sandra, writing is a business. Go to the guidelines of the publisher you're targeting. For example, don't ask me as an agent to send a dystopian book to uh, somebody that doesn't take that, for example. Or don't ask me to send a romance to somebody who is only taking suspense or something like that either. So what you really want to do is write your book, make sure that it is finished before you send it to the agent, and have a summary of your book, which you probably have in your planning notes anyway. So have that done, and then we want your biography, we want any past sales history. If you have put up something in the um, online by yourself, definitely feel free to tell us that. We want to know that because we have to take everything into consideration when we're, when we're talking to you about representing you. And it's just basic information. You know, it's not scary at all. Just, you know, what if you're a member of ACFW, the American Christian Fiction Writers, if you, you know, work with crit groups, whatever, include some information that tells us about who you are and everything. And that's very helpful. And you'll How see much it. does it matter? And, you know, this is something I hear a lot. People are like, well, you know, I'm nobody. I don't have a, you know, degree. I don't have any of this stuff. You know, um, they don't, you know, really have a following. And does that matter, you know, when you're looking to represent someone? Everything matters. Every project is different. Um, somebody might have a whole lot of followers but not have a very good book. And it's really hard to sell a, a book that's not very good. Um, somebody else might have a fabulous book and not have a lot of followers. And yet, if they are touching all of the right places and, and just it's the timing and everything of when the book should come out, how, how is the author about meeting with people and getting to know people and everything like that, uh, are they willing to reach their audience that is a huge help to me. So I, I, I'm reluctant to say, I know you didn't ask this, but I'm reluctant to say that, oh, yeah, I won't look at anybody unless they have 200,000 Twitter followers because that's not true. We look at the entire project. Writing is still king for sure. And what the proposal does is showing your writing, showing that you know what you're doing and who you are. You are preparing a document for the editor to take it to the publisher. And that's for a meeting, for a meeting. The editor has to take it to her editorial board and then maybe another editorial board. You're giving her or him the information to present your project and say, I think I can sell this project. I think this book will be great. Here's why. Look at this author. And that's what it does. And it's let's talk for a second, too, about rejection. Because um, agents, you deal with a lot of rejection on behalf of your authors, don't you? 
Yes, unfortunately. Uh, what I will do is I will pass on any anything that's helpful. If an editor gives a meaty rejection, that's actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. And if you can learn from it. Although one editor's advice might not work for another house. So you want to be careful, too, about, you know, frantically trying to rewrite something if it's with, you know, a couple of other editors. Those other editors might like it just as it is. In fact, that actually happened to me on one um, project where two editors were interested in it. And one of them said, oh, don't change a thing. And the other one says, well, here, I want you to change this, 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 and this. And so that you you really want to be careful about just getting a knee-jerk reaction and changing things based on someone's opinion. And that's another reason why an editor won't always give an opinion. And it's also... Part of that, too, is that they're wanting the changes because it fits their business plan or their brand. And right. so you can't take that personally either. No, I don't want any writer to take a rejection personally. It will feel personal, and that's just because we're all humans. And it's, it's going to feel that way. But um, the reality is it is not personal. What's it like working with editors? It's wonderful. I love all of my editors. I have a great rapport with them. Um, I talk to them about what you know they're looking for, what is they need for their houses at the time, and I, what I love about traditional publishing, which you know that's where you're working with an agent. Mm-hmm. I love it that they hire top-notch editors to edit everybody's books, and you mm-hmm. have great cover designers, and you have an, a budget for marketing, and it's just really wonderful. When is well, it appropriate? I just want to jump in really quick. I just want to go back to rejection just for a minute because I do think we did a whole show on it, but I do think it bears repeating. And because we have Tamala Hancock Murray from the Steve Lobby Agency, I want her to kind of back me up on this, I hope. You know, <laughs> having a radio show like mine or four radio shows like mine, I get a lot of people submitting themselves as guests. And Tamla, I know you know this feeling. You've got a whole pile of things to go to of people who want something from you. And you look at these things and you look at what was submitted. I can only make a choice on what's put down on paper. I don't know you as a person. I don't know anything about you. I'm given this you know, email or the stack of papers, and I have to make the best decision I can on what I think my listeners want to hear about, just like you have to make the best decision you can of what your sphere of influence, your, you know, editors over at the publishing houses want to hear about. And so if we reject you, it's not you personally. We don't know you. We don't know anything about you other than what you give us. And if you don't give us enough or you don't give us something that's good for our listeners or in Tamla's case, her editors, we have to say no. We, we're not in the business of, of saying yes to something we can't do. Right. And the most difficult rejections to write are those where I, when I have met a writer at a conference and I made a great connection, it's like, oh, but... For some reason, the project wasn't what I thought or or just could I couldn't take the project for some reason. That's tough. I really hate writing those letters. But, you know, what you do as a writer, you, you keep on. I mean, you've probably met other agents at the conference, too. And, you know, you, you look for that agent who's, who can really work with you and has the right contacts. I want to go into the situation where I have the right contacts to help the person. I'm going to turn down a fabulous book on thermonuclear dynamics because I just don't know what editor is looking for that. But another agent wants that book. So that's that's how I look at that, too. I was talking about conferences. I do teach um, 
often at ACFW, American Fiction, Christian Fiction Writers. They just had their conference this past August. Uh, the Florida Christian Writers Conference is a great conference in February um, at Lake Yale. The uh, Blue Ridge Conference in Asheville, North Carolina is a great conference. Also, that's in May. So basically, you can be gone all year. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun to do it. You can get over-conferenced, meaning that you're you're so busy that you're not spending your time writing. But at the same time, that's how Tamala and I met, was at a conference. We got to know each other, and um, one of my other writing friends introduced me to her. And we clicked. And then it was, well, what do you like to write? And then I write the same kinds of things that she likes to represent. And suddenly we have this um, ability to communicate in a way that I couldn't communicate with somebody who likes to sell books on thermodynamics. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, because every type of genre um, really attracts a certain type of personality, I think. If you go, I, I get the impression, I've never been to a science fiction uh, um, conference, but I understand that the vibe is totally different there. And I could totally understand that over a romance conference mm -hmm. you know, like rwa romance writers of america or something like that because it is very different and they're all wonderful what we're so blessed with today we have so many writers writing excellent christian fiction and you can be a christian writer or even a seeker and, and you can pick any genre you want to read that makes sense I mean, obviously not erotica but other than that you know, <laughs> you, they've got every genre available in christian writing and in fiction and and even nonfiction. It's so helpful written by experts i'm so proud to be part of this industry see and i'm just sitting over here enjoying it because i had such a great visual of i've been to an rwa romance writers of america conference and i've been to comic-con and i'm like wow nobody oh. <laughs> dresses up at the rwa we've got you know gorns and Worf and you know star trek <laughs> characters walking around that'd be kind of fun to mix the two i think it's really a fun visual as well because when you start to think of things as having a personality conferences have personalities too and um, as an author, we have to learn how to sell ourselves in a professional way. And I love to suggest, and I know Tamala would wholeheartedly agree with me, that authors join um, a, a speaking group so that they can learn how to do some public speaking, so they can learn how to present themselves with confidence. And so something like Toastmasters or... Um, going to some of these wonderful Christian speaking organizations and attending some of those conferences can help you learn uh, ways to present yourself without fear. Because a lot of times when you sit down with an agent, um, and I think I told this story once before, but I'll make it real short, is that when I met Steve Lobby, um, he wanted to know why I didn't cry in front of him. <laughs> And it was really funny. He says, I seem to make women cry. Why aren't you crying? And, so, <laughs> and, and he can seem a little imposing. Isn't that true, Tamala? You know, oh, I think so. But I, I'm just not really one of those shy retiring types either. I'm very much like you, Angela. So, <laughs> uh, but what is really, really cool about going to a conference and, you know, you can, you don't have to go to a mega conference to be successful. You, you can go to Agreed. a local conference. And actually, I wrote for many years, and I never even went to a conference before I was an agent. So you don't feel, if you're at home and you're going, wow, I've got five children, I'm homeschooling, or my budget is tight, or both, 
or I can't get away from work, don't feel that you don't have a chance. As a writer, I take people, um, I look at my slush pile, and if something's really good, that writer does not have to be at a conference to to get my attention. But okay, the- I need to cut you guys off. I'm going to take us to commercial break, because when we come back from the break, Tamla Hancock-Murray of Steve Lobby Agency is going to talk to us about what you can get from a conference, and we're also going to explore promoting ourselves. Like, what does an agent really want to know about us? If you want the answer to this question, you're going to come back after these messages. official 4th of July party was held at the White House in 1801. But did you know that countries other than the U.S. celebrate American Independence Day or July 4th? Denmark, Italy, Portugal, and England all have 4th of July parties. In fact, the British celebrate their independence with bungers and fizz gigs, otherwise known as firecrackers, just like in America. Squib is slang for an electric match used in pyrotechnics. Our dog celebrates July 4th every year the same way, by cowering under the bed. Many European celebrations take place, of course, at American military bases. I'd like to send a special thanks to all our armed forces stationed around the world for everything you do to provide freedom and independence to America. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Whether it's lunges or crunches or tricep dips, there is usually one exercise that you dread doing. I tell my clients that when they are working out on their own, to do the exercise that they like the least first. I have several women clients who really want to shape up their lower body, but they despise lunges or squats in any form. So we always do those exercises at the beginning of the workout when they have more energy and enthusiasm. By waiting until the end of the exercise session, especially if they're working out on their own, it is too easy to cut the workout short and not do those important exercises. For me, abdominal work is my least favorite, so I always do my abdominal exercises right after I warm up. After I get those out of the way, I concentrate on lifting weights, which I really do enjoy. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. It's all mine. Taking care of business. Working overtime. Taking care of business. Hey, guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and this is Coach Talk Radio. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Angela Breidenbach, and we're visiting today with Tamala Hancock-Murray from the Steve Lobby Agency. And... Here's a big question, uh, Tamla, and this comes from me and every other mom out there that wears many hats. Yes, I'm Northwestern graduate. You know, I've had experience at Disney and CBS. I've published something in the past. I have, you know, these radio shows, three million listeners. Do you care about any of this, or what do you really care about? Because 
I'm everything from, you know, driving my kids to soccer camp to, you know, congratulations, you got a million downloads last month. Well, with a resume like that, I hope that you are writing a book and are planning to send it to me this afternoon. (laughs) Shameless plug, shameless plug. I got two kids to feed. Tamla Hancock Murray, I love you. No, I'm just teasing, but please go ahead. Please go ahead. I love. Feel free to compliment me more you want. (laughs) I'll take it. Well, really, somebody that has that many listeners or that many contacts is very valuable. And But on the other hand, for the author that doesn't have quite that much, and most people don't have, have your platform, it, what we want is meaningful connection like and that you've built up. And like people are excited about you and your book. And that's what an editor literally said to me, and I think editors would echo this. Does this author bring in an, an audience that's excited about her next book? And that's where we want to go. So that that's one thing. And the how are you connecting with your readers? And what I would recommend for social media, if you're using that to connect, pick one or two platforms you really enjoy and make it a fun part of your day. Don't go, oh, no, I'm on six platforms and I'm miserable and I have to take a picture of everything I've ever owned and everything I do. <laughs> so do what works for you. Pinterest is great if you're writing a historical book, for example, because you can show here's the uh, outfit that my heroine's wearing to the ball or, or whatever here, you know, here's this and here's that. And, oh, did you know that this is the type of buggy they had in that day? And it's just so many things that you can do with Pinterest to get people's interest. So whether you're visual or, and you enjoy that, or whether you just want to do a newsletter, a newsletter is a very good thing to do. I, re- I recommend maybe quarterly that shows that you have a mailing list and you build that mailing list through your social media and people want to know you. They want to talk to you. You can blog. But I mean, don't start all this at one time. But if you are just getting new, to getting on on board with all of this, I'd say maybe blog once a week. I wouldn't try to blog at first for like two or three times a week because you'll get burned out. Try to do make it as fun as you can because I mean, if you if you have a job like this, it may as well be fun. I would agree. I think that getting to to know you as a person and getting to know you as a writer and getting to know you as a professional are the three main categories that an agent is really looking for. And then being able to communicate that. And that's what your query letter that we've talked about on a previous episode and your proposal is all about, because that's where you're going to put in there your, your mini bio really of this is who I am. These are the degrees I have. These, this is why I'm an expert to write this book. And I I couldn't understand that until I understood when I was trying to write a nonfiction book and it was very spiritual oriented. It's like, why do you have the credentials or the expertise to write that book? And when it comes to fiction, there's an underlying theme of why is your research accurate? And so if you have an expertise in a certain area, maybe you have studied um, the Civil War or you've studied a particular area in Egypt and you're setting it in biblical times in Egypt. And so you need to know why you are the person to write that book. Why should they trust you? And so that's why it's really, really important in, in that arena. And when Tamil and I first met, we met over a nonfiction book. And it's it's called Gems of Wisdom, and I'm really excited to announce that it has won uh, a Dove Award for faith-friendly fiction. And I am extremely excited for that award to you know be on my website and on the cover of my book. And but Tamil is the one who um, signed me for that book, and so getting this award is something that I share with her because we did that professionally together. 
And now that book is going to be re-released. But the fact is, I wouldn't be here in my career today if I hadn't built my relationship over time before we signed and then after we signed in respect with Tamala. And so I, for forever, amen, um, she will always have been and always will be, you know, a part of my career. And so when you sign on with an agent, when that agent signs on with you, you have to realize this is very much like a marriage and that if, if there's some reason that you have a hint ahead of time that you may not feel comfortable with that agent, then you should respect that as well. And then find out what those agents' boundaries are so that you are very flexible in your professional life to be able to meet the boundaries in that agent's professional life. Is you know. So my question to you, Tamala, is um, what do you think are standard boundaries for an agent and author relationship um, because every relationship has boundaries and then you know expand at will from there well i really appreciate everything that you said and i agree with it if you're having bad some some agent might be known as the you know hottest agent of this time period or whatever and that's the agent to be with well actually if that agent doesn't fit with you though it's not going to help you. You have to go with the one that is going to be a good match for you. As far as boundaries, I'll just—I guess the best thing for me to say is how I work. I tend to try to be real low key on the weekends because I really feel that not only do I need my family time, but my writers need their respect. I don't want to be a high maintenance agent <laughs> calling any time of night or day either. That can be just as annoying, you know, as, as the other way, because even though usually we have good news when we call is there are certain limits. And I get, I get emails from editors, maybe at 10 o'clock at night, especially being here on the East coast. Like if an editor is on the West coast, I know one time I was talking to an editor about a book at 10 o'clock at night, I was, you know, in Barnes and Noble, as it turned out, I was, you know, on the phone. This job does not have a real set. Like, you know, you go and you need to be by the telephone at nine and then you have your lunch break and then you go. No, this job really does go all the time. And that's okay. I enjoy that. Um, I think I've been very successful, though, with, you know, setting boundaries. If something's really urgent, though, I will be there. I'll do everything I can to address something right away, because even though, we're not, you know, we're not in an emergency room at a hospital. We still have things that, you know, can take on a bit of urgency. And I want to be there and feel that my writers feel supported when I when I do need to be there for them. I agree. Sandra, what questions do you have on that? Well, I think, you know, it's it's really important that we have these boundaries because, you know, a lot of times people get frustrated with me and I'm, I just, all I can do is speak from my own opinion as a, as the, you know, radio host is that timelines, you know, I can't get back to somebody the next day, every day, every time. In fact, on my email signature on one of my accounts, I say like, please don't hound me on all the different social medias unless you want me to fight back like a, you know, an angry cheetah. Um, <laughs> We're only one person. And, you know, how many submissions generally do you get a week or does the lobby agency handle a week just to give people some perspective? I would say I probably get about at least 10 a day myself in my office. And that's a lot. Well, yeah, it doesn't really sound like much, but it really is. And not all of them. I mean, sometimes people will just not hit the 
hit it in the park at all, they'll be going, you know, I, I have a children's picture book. And unless I have a client that's already with me and you know, we decide to go for a children's picture book as part of her career or his career, that's one thing. But as far as do I take a children's picture book author right off the bat? No, that that's not my specialty. So that's how that works. So, you know, and most, but most of the people have done their work and they can see that's one thing that you can do with finding an agent, by the way, research, what your agent represents. I literally had a, a author the other day query me and go, well, I'm ready. You know, I've got a track record here and I go, well, golly, that's really great. Um, this book takes you in a different direction, but the person didn't understand that I was a Christian agent. They, they already had a Christian agent or, you know, agent working with the Christian booksellers. And then they wanted me for general market. And while I do have some general market experience, I'm pri- I would want to work with their Christian books because that's my primary uh, heart. So that I didn't feel that was a real good example of research well done. But so if you can research the agents and you can do this online, uh, you can do this through the query process. You can do this a lot. Go to conferences, of course. And we understand. Don't feel weird if you're looking for an agent and you talk to me and then you end up talking to another agent at the next table. That's OK. We, we know that that happens. So, yeah, it- it can feel awkward, though, walking in and you're speed dating. You know, we talked about speed dating um, between agents and authors <laughs> and editors um, <laughs> at conferences because you get like 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes at a conference, you have to introduce yourself, make an impression, tell them about your work, uh, you know, get through so much stuff. And, you know, I know we're heading into the next segment, and I need, but the, the point is that you have to realize that in 15 minutes you cannot um, make a full decision and they know that too. And when you move to the next speed date, you're really looking for the right person for you and they are looking for the right person for them and they know and they're not offended when you're going to talk to more people than just them. If that, yeah. So just, well, I'm just going to chime in here because I'm the business, you know, uh, you know, the kind of the business person first and foremost, but it's just business. We're there to conduct business. We're not here to necessarily be Angela or Tamala's best friend. Now, if that happens, what a lovely gift, but we're here right. to conduct business and people care about making money because we all need money to live and there's no shame in that. I know a lot of my writer friends, a lot of my radio friends have a hard time with money conversations. It's hard for everybody and nobody likes to be, I mean, Tamara, you started out with, well, I'm the bad guy. I'm the money maker. I'm the contractor or the money lender, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. We yeah. all feel that way, but it's part of the business and recognizing that you are going into business as a writer, I think is really vital. You're not a writer. You're a self-promoter. You're a business person. You're a writer for hire, an independent contractor, however you want to think about it. These are helpful in defining our roles and setting up our boundaries. Now, I need to take us to commercial break. My co-host today is Angela Breidenbach. You want to check her out, order her book. She's a wonderful writer, AngelaBreidenbach.com. Our guest today is Tamala Hancock-Murray, and you can find her at the Steve Lobby Agency, S-T-E-V-E-L-A-U-B-E.com. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about presenting ourselves.
the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Did you know there are over 50,000 shopping malls in the United States alone? Ever wonder why shopping malls don't carpet their hallways? Mall owners have figured out that women will snuff up more merchandise if they hear their heels clicking on a hard, polished surface. Not sure if there's any real science to back that up. What's a word for a person who is a compulsive shopper? An oniomaniac. Malls don't offer too many places to sit down because when you're sitting, you're not spending money or coopity coop. The average mall goer shops for about 80 minutes and spends roughly $75 each visit. My husband turns into a grumbler or a quaddler when I drag him to the mall. He warned me if I don't quit shopping so much, he would leave me. Lord, I'm going to miss that man. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of Guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and this is Coach Talk Radio, and we are visiting today with Tamala Hancock Murray and my lovely co-host Angela Breidenbach. We're so excited today to talk about the presentation. How do you present yourself? How do you present your work? There's some do's and don'ts, and God knows I've probably done all the don'ts, and Angela's done the do's. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I've done a lot of the don'ts already. <laughs> well, we, we tend to, as women, learn the hard way, especially uh, those of us uh, that are on the episode today. Tamala, what? are some do's and don'ts in presenting yourself to an agency or to an agent like yourself? Well, at conference, of course, you just want to be, I know it's really hard to relax, but just be yourself. Um, one advantage I have as, as a woman talking to other women, I can say, cool pair of earrings or you know, <laughs> and, and really mean, of course, I'm sure it's, t- I don't know what guys do, but anyway, it's, it's really easy to, I try to be easy to talk to. They're not people. looking at the earrings, Tamala. <laughs> Well, I try to be, you know, put people at ease and try to maybe get to know them a little bit more because, as was pointed out in the last segment, it's really hard to make a decision unless somebody's way off and bringing something that's not in your category. It's really difficult to tell in 15 minutes if you um, 
would really be able to be successful in representing them. So just say, you know, be yourself, relax, don't worry about anything. It'll go okay. And if you feel like you, you know, spill coffee on the agent's blouse or something, you know, maybe you see him again at a dinner or do something, but that's never really happened. It's not going to happen. Don't, don't sweat it out. Just be very, just be yourself and just enjoy that time because you may as well have fun if you're doing this, as I told you, as I said in another segment. But as far as a, a written presentation, definitely you want to make the agent feel special. You may want to say, and I know that sounds kind of silly, but you'll say, you know, you're my first choice. It's not silly. It's not silly. It's, it's recognizing them as a human being. Right. Absolutely. And if you send uh, an email and it's addressed to have literally the subject line or the, the CC line is like, you know, 14 or 15 other agents, I'm not feeling real special. So, you know, (laughs) you are one of many, Um, but I do realize I am one of many. I mean, unless you literally tell me you're my first choice, which, and and if you are, I I feel great about that, but you don't, you don't have to say that. And you can definitely submit to more than one agent. We do ask that you not submit. There are four of us and we ask that you only submit to one of us at a time. That is our preference. So, because I don't want to get excited about a proposal and then Steve goes, oh, wow, I was just getting ready to sign that author. It's, it's just, you know, it's just not fair to anybody. So Mm -hmm. pick your, so, and how you research an agent, you go to the, go to the internet and just enter all of the different agencies. You know, we come up immediately. Um, there's a, there's a lot of us go look at the website, you know, because if you get on that website, that's the website your name is going to be on. Is that a website you want to be on? Does it look professional? Do, you know, do, what does the agency look like? I mean, you're judging us too, and that's okay. That's what we're here for. I'd so- add something to that too, is that because our name is on it, um, our name is linked. And so go through and click on those other authors' names and go see what they write. Go see what their websites look like. Go see who they're representing and, and the kind of genres they're representing because that really gives you an idea. But um, here's a secret, Tamala, plug your ears. You can also contact those other authors and ask about their experience with that agent. You know, um, but it's difficult for an agent to say, oh, yes, um, here's my list of authors and they all think I'm wonderful. <laughs> They may, but it's really hard to put an agent in that position. So, you know, do your um, your research by, you know, asking what it's like to work with that person, too. And then you kind of find out a little bit about them if if the other um, authors have the ability or the time to be able to respond. And if you if you send out to several of them, several will. OK, sorry. Back to you, Tamala. Oh, no, that's fine. That's actually very good advice. And quite frankly, as a writer, by the time you get to our level of agency, because we're one of the top agencies, you have probably already gotten an, an organic network of friends anyway. And you can just basically say, hey, you like Tamala or, you know, whatever you can you can ask them. And it's, it doesn't feel awkward. You're not sending an email like cold calling. I'm going to ask this big author. I've always admired if she likes her agent and who it is and all that. So if you you'll probably find out. Just by being alive and being involved with Christian publishing as a writer and even as an aspiring author, because everybody's so friendly to aspiring authors. It's such a warm place to be. I think that you'll find out a lot that way, too. But you're right. It's um, But now, Angie, I'm just going to put you down as a reference for everybody. So you get <laughs> <to> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, but I, you know, I, you know, we talk and we giggle and we laugh about this thing. But, you know, when I went to your agency and, you know, I've been around the block, you know, a few times, uh, Tamla, not only in the television industry, but in the writing industry. And I look at your pedigree, you know, I look at this awards and recognition page and, you know, you've got bestseller list, then there's Christie Awards and Reader Awards, uh, your Rita, sorry, R-I-T-A Awards, the Carol Award. I mean, you know. You you definitely got a track record going here of shoot for the best. And my thing that I just want to put to every writer that's out there, you know, a lot of times we don't feel good about our writing or we're nervous about our writing when we begin. And um, Les Brown has this great quote that says, if you shoot the moon and miss, you're still among the stars. And I I look at an agency like Steve Lobby and go, wow, you know, I could take my shot at this because, you know, even if I miss or, you know, let's say they, they don't take me on this time, but they'll take me on next time or they take me on for something maybe that I wasn't thinking they would take me on the first place. You're still among the stars. So go for it. You know, take your shot. The worst they can say is no. And you know what? No is not a dirty word. No just means, you know, come back and try again or, you know, redefine yourself, rework yourself, take a class whatever you just keep going you cannot let um your own self-concept get in the way and as women i know we like to downplay ourselves especially as a christian woman it was really hard for me uh tamala to promote myself now i've obviously gotten over it but in the (laughs) beginning i was like i didn't want to tell people i went to northwestern undergraduate and graduate school because it was bragging i didn't want to say like hey i graduated at 21 who how cool is that (laughs) Now in my 40s, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. But at the time, I was filled with such shame or such, you know, holding back because I didn't want to appear that I was bragging and boasting. And unfortunately, you got to brag and boast a little bit to get where you want to be in this business. But do it in a nice way. I, I don't know. I'm just butchering this, but Tamla, you can kind of give or Angela give a better read on this. Well, I want to give you one one little piece of advice that um, the reader, the the listeners out there, um, Tamla is in the Steve Lobby agency, and Steve Lobby is very approachable. By the way, um, I should clarify that it's just that he is a tall man and he knows a lot, and he's been in the industry for a long time. So people get themselves all worked up in a in a worrisome snit because they're worried about being rejected. Well, the reality is Steve Lobby rejected me and he has a joke about how many authors he's rejected over the years who've become bestsellers. Well, guess what? I've become a bestseller multiple times now. But here's the the thing that he did for me in that rejection. He said to me, he said, you know, he said, you need a bigger following. You need to learn. And he gave me a list. He literally gave me a list of skills that I need to learn for my craft. And I, I looked at that list and I said, okay, I'll see you next year. And the very next year, I walked up to him and said, I completed your list. And he goes, you did what? And I said, you gave me a list. And I went through your list and I completed your list. He says, you did? And I said, yeah. And he said, I have never had an author do that before. And the key for me was that he gave me craft skills I needed to learn. And I spent one year, I took two classes a month, sometimes three, via these different um, author groups like RWA, ACFW, um, Christian Authors Network, um, you know, just all these different author groups. Um, and uh, I learned all of the craft skills he told me I needed to learn, and then I demonstrated them. And I about shocked his socks off. And it was, you know, shortly after that, 
that Tamala and I started talking and Tamala was a better fit for me, a better personality for me. But the beauty was I had made myself marketable and desirable because I followed the advice he gave and I got the skills. Okay, so go ahead, Tamla. <laughs> well, that is wonderful. Well, he has so many stories about how he has helped authors. And one point um, is, too, if one of us, it doesn't work out with one of us in the agency, like um, you could go to another one of us in the agency. I happen to be with a different agency at that time that Angie signed on with me, but um, I'm now obviously with Steve. But he'll say to me, like, we, we might meet the same writer at a conference and he'll go, you know, she would be great for you. I think she's a great writer and a, a lovely person. And then that encourages me to take the person, you know, especially when that it's um, pretty obvious I should anyway, but it's nice to have that confirmation from him because I want him to be proud of the authors that I bring on to the agency because I'm putting his name on everything I do. So I'm very aware of that and I want to maintain our reputation. And, you know, he uh, is really good about keeping standards very high and that's another thing that I appreciate about him. But but definitely um, don't ever be afraid to approach an agent. Like you said, the worst thing they can do is, you know, turn away and talk to another author. But then you go, you know what? That person wasn't a good fit for me. And you, mm-hmm. it's good to know who to eliminate as it is to know who works with you. And Angie mm-hmm. just has a fabulous presentation anyway. I mean, she was Mrs. Montana. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's, that's fabulous. And she has all that poise and charm and the appearance that, you know, that is just winning already and then can write in addition to that, which is wonderful. But if you but don't feel that if you're not Mrs. Montana, you can't sign on with an agent. I mean, you know, I we, agree. Yeah. <laughs> that was just bonus. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, but it's we're talking about being your personal best. You know, we don't have to be Angie and we don't have to be Tamala, but we have to present the best of us, the best of who we are. And that's, that's the something- classes. That's, that's why really the important. speaking classes and that's why the craft classes, the best of who you can be, the best craft you can present. Oh, absolutely. And you got to remember, too, that it's really interesting when I was in a critique group, when I I was in different critique groups during different phases of my writing. And I would say, OK, explain, you know, this doesn't make sense. Then the author would come back to me and say, well, it does, too, make sense because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, but the reader is not going to see you talking to me. You have to tell the reader. So the reader is going to know you through your book. The reader's mm-hmm. not going to most most readers are not really going to meet you. Right. Most readers are going to know you through the book. And when it really comes down to everything, it's going to be the writing and the story. And in the self-help or nonfiction arena, it's going to be what is the takeaway value for that reader? Because the reader is selfish. The reader is ready to plunk down 10 bucks. I'm pretty selfish when I'm plunking down 10 bucks for something. I want a good book. And that might there be. There you go, girls. You have it from Tamala. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I got to cut you off, girls. We've got Angela Breidenbach today. Um, thank you so much for being here. Tamala, thank you for being our guest today. If you like the show, check us out on iTunes, Coach Talk Radio, Toginet, T O G I N E T dot com, and CoachRadioShow.com. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques from Coach Talk Radio.